Welcome in Rose City to another episode of Soccer Made in Portland. Ryan Clark here with Chris Reifer. And Chris, it is a gorgeous late August afternoon uh, this Thursday that we are recording this podcast. It is Seattle week and the uh, Portland Timbers are set to take on the Seattle Sounders uh, tomorrow. Uh, How are you feeling right now overall? Too hot, first of all. (laughs) First of all, uh, it is not a a too hot still. you know, it's 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 been a week of soccer here in Portland since we spoke last. I mean, most of the side to be fair, most of the soccer, well, some of the soccer occurred outside of Portland. The most disappointing parts of the soccer occurred outside of Portland. Um, but yeah, I think since we spoke last, the Timbers and Thorns have combined for four losses. Is that, that right? That would that would be correct. Yes. That, that would be correct. Oh, I like the conditional uh, uh, language there. Yeah, four yeah, losses. passive voice. You know, it's it's <laughs> yeah. just my my terrible journalism habits just rearing their ugly heads. Mistakes were made this voice. last week. Let's just put it that way. Things uh, were happening. <laughs> mistakes were made. Um, yeah, uh, mistakes were made. So, from a soccer perspective, you know, mistakes were made. Uh, otherwise, and from a weather perspective, too hot. Oh, otherwise phenomenal though. Tremendous. Uh, putting all that aside, tremendous. Yeah. And, and, you know, we'll begin with the, the Portland thorns here. We can, we can get into, to the excitement of the Seattle matchup or, or maybe the, the worries around that, uh, momentarily with, with the timbers. <laughs> I was going to say, is excitement the word? It's more, you know, pure unrelenting anxiety based on what yeah, I've seen on, on Twitter right. with the timbers fan base. But, um, you know, the thorns it, it haven't had a, a terribly great, uh, last few days in, in what has been a busy month of August. Uh, you know, they, they, prior to the WICC, they beat the Washington spirit two to one on August 10th, big road win, uh, maintain their position at the top of the table. Uh, then an upset happened, uh, a WICC rolled around the thorns hosted uh, CF Monterey from Mexico uh, and lost three to two in penalty kicks after a one, one regulation. And that was uh, really a shocking result, despite the fact that uh, Portland played a lot of reserve players in that match. Um, But, but it wasn't something that really, you know, knocked the wheels off the wagon for, for the thorns. They, they seem still laser focused on their uh, NWSL season. Uh, they they followed up that match with what I thought was an impressive performance from mostly first teamers against Chelsea, uh, a one zero loss in that one to Sam Kern company, but something that I think showcased the uh, general metal of of this Thorns team and its ability to compete on the international stage. Uh, those were two teams in in Portland and Chelsea who both lost in penalties and and felt like they should have been playing each other for the WICC title. Didn't happen. Uh, there was a, a victory for Olympique Lyonnais in in the championship match over uh, over Monterey, and it was not particularly close. Uh, great moment for Lindsey Horan to to get a, a brace in that match, uh, and and it was a great homecoming for her. And uh, you know, despite the success the Thorns have had on the field this season, I'm sure there are a lot of fans that wish she was still rocking the the black and red uh, at this point. But uh, the the team that is on the field for Portland came out of that WICC, beat the North Carolina Courage, or excuse me, were beat by the North Carolina Courage three to one uh, on the road. Uh, 
bro- broke the 11 game unbeaten streak for the Thorns and and was a really tough match all around for a team that frankly looks pretty tired during a challenging stretch of its season. Yeah, the you know the 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 game here that is I think by far most worthy of discussion uh is is the game at at North Carolina. Um and I agree with the with sort of your initial assessment. Um that uh that uh you know they looked pretty tired which worries me given that now the most important game of the stretch the game that you would say is most indispensable for the thorns is coming up on saturday uh against the wave at home um on two days rest after cross-country travel uh i i think that's a, a a worrying one uh going into this game if the thorns can come away uh from that game with a win if they can get the three points against the wave notwithstanding the difficulty of the schedule um then I think you can probably look back on the last week and say, eh, kind of wish it had gone better, but it's not a huge deal in the end, right? They'd still be uh, in uh, very much in the thick of and, and have good position in the shield race. Um, they would, they would, you know, all of the primary objectives would still be very much there for the taking. Uh, I think this was a pretty easy year, as we discussed before the WICC, to sort of just say, you know, we're going to be smart about the WICC and whatever happens, happens. Uh, and I think if the Thorns had gone to the Courage and gotten a, a result, really any result, they probably would have easily sort of come away, so, you know, saying, yep, okay, that's exactly what we wanted, and we're good with that. They didn't get a result in North Carolina, and and that sort of puts all the onus now on this game on Saturday. And and I think it's it's concerning that they looked a little bit legged uh, in uh, against the Courage. Um, and that, you know, I don't think they looked – poor but they just looked pretty legged uh from what i saw and uh and 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 i think uh that that makes you know that makes on saturday squeaky bum time for thorns fans yeah i know it's it's gonna be a a really crucial match for the standings uh the thorns are, are at the top right now thanks to their massive goal differential with 28 points on the season. They're seven, two and seven. Uh, that's seven wins, two losses and seven draws uh, for those playing at home. The Google, can, the Google standings, which I, I, you know, check the standings via Google often, uh, goes win, draw, loss. Uh, I'm not a fan of that organization. I, I like win, loss, draw, but why? You know, maybe, what is your rationale for that? Uh, because I'm an uneducated American who doesn't know anything about how uh, <laughs> soccer standings are supposed to look. So uh, I, I think the argument for win, draw, loss, and I, I acknowledge your 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 point that in America this is this is how we do it: win, loss, draw. If you ain't first, you're last. Ricky the, Bobby. <laughs> that's that's that, that's right. Um, the argument for win, draw, loss is quite is that it's quite intuitive because a win is the best. A draw is the second best and you get a point for it. And then a loss is the worst. Um, and so it has the nice, you know, logical flow to it uh, that that I, I think if we sat for a moment with a in, in a quiet moment and reflected, uh, we, we may be compelled to, to, to change our ways. 
Not not me, man. No. <laughs> You're like, no. No, no, no quiet moments for Ryan Clark. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm good. Um, <laughs> I've done plenty of reflection. So uh, the, the t- 28 points for the Thorns is a tie uh, with, with two other teams, San Diego Wave and Houston Dash. Uh, can't, Kansas City is, is making a run and, and has 26 points right now in fourth. Uh, so yeah, this, this game against the wave, I mean, winner of this one has the shield race in its hands and, you know, Portland has a game in hand on, on, uh, on San Diego, but you, you still don't want to be three points behind. Uh, so, you know, th- this is huge and, and on tired legs, it's going to take a, a serious, uh, performance for, from this team. I, I expect somebody like Sophia Smith, who, um, is, a great athlete and, and uh, her tired legs don't show nearly as quickly as, as some of the other folks on the roster. I expect her to, to probably play close to a full 90, despite the amount that she played against North Carolina. Uh, but you'll be getting a, a fully fresh Christine Sinclair back into the lineup as well. She did not see the field against the courage. Uh, Morgan Weaver is another one that will um, likely see some extended minutes. Uh, and then the rest of, of your lineup essentially um, has either played both the Chelsea game and North Carolina or uh, played heavy minutes against North Carolina. So the challenge uh, for the Thorns is going to be finding the right mix uh, of reliable players in order to avoid uh, getting down early and having to fight even harder to claw back against San Diego to contain Alex Morgan, who's been on fire and leading the league with 12 goals this season. Sophia Smith tied for second with 11. Um, it, it's it's as good a matchup as, as you're going to find in NWSL this season. Uh, should be on national TV, uh, in my opinion. They should be able to flex these games uh, the way that other sports leagues do because it's it's too exciting and too important to the standings uh, for this not to be on national TV. So I, I think my record as a Reen Wilkinson stan is pretty clear. Um, unimpeachable, I would even go so far as to say. Uh, I do want to take a moment, though, to talk about some of the lineup, the lineup selections between the Chelsea game when they did start a not complete starters, but a decent number of starters uh, and pretty good and, portion of the lineup. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it and, was a lot of players that that played in that game that I did not expect to play as well and, and had him play a fair amount and then went with a mixed lineup at North Carolina, um, sort of putting them now in, in, in the position where they are. Do you think. Wilkinson managed this turnaround the right way. I'll, I'll I'll ask the question first, and and I will I will reserve my hot takes for after you go. You know, I when she rotated the lineup heavily against Monterey, I thought, okay, this is just going to be the attitude for the entirety of the tournament. You know, they've talked already at length about the fact that an NWSL play is is frankly more important to them than this WICC. And then the Chelsea game happened. Then they rotated uh, a ton of starters back in, including Christine Sinclair, your aging superstar. Um, it's it's a little confounding. A little. I'm I'm not sure. I agree with the approach she took. I, I don't think that um, you know. It's I think it's important to showcase yourself on an international stage against a team like that. But in the third place game, when they're in preseason and you know, it's going to be tough going regardless. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with the tactic that, that she put forth because it 
in a lot of ways limited their ability to to connect and succeed uh, on the attack uh, against North Carolina. Yeah, uh, they weren't able to come back because of it. it. You know, not having Sink out there, not having Morgan Weaver out there, uh, limited minutes for other key contributors along the back line who, frankly, just couldn't couldn't handle much more than that just because of the physical limitations of, of playing so many games. Um, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with her, her approach, uh, for, for the last couple games. I see where, where I think Wilkinson is coming from at least because she has gotten some really, really good performances from her depth over the course of this year. Um, and so, you know, I, I understand that she's thinking that she can, that, that, you know, it was a viable ap- approach to maybe plug and play some some players in and out of uh, the starting eleven for this window, um, and essentially kind of think of herself as having fifteen or sixteen starters that she can sort of just use to manage this three game stretch. Um, I you, you know I I I see where she's coming from with that. I I don't think uh, that's an unreasonable conclusion given some of the performances that 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 these thorns have put in uh, where they've gotten some pretty big results with a lot of starters missing. Oh, uh, so I acknowledge that. I don't think this was a crazy decision by any means, but I agree with you that I disagree with it. Uh, and I thought, especially after, uh, after the, uh, the, the, the loss to, to Monterey, which I just want to be clear. That was mostly just comedy. <laughs> Like they, I mean, that was a game that the Thorns completely dominated. They they dribbled around Monterey for most of ninety minutes. Uh, they got the one goal very early on, but then they, it, it was it was almost laughable the extent to which they failed to ripen the rest of the chances that they should have had, uh, and 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 failed to get that second goal. And the longer that went on, the more just inevitable it felt. It was just like I've seen this script before, where yeah. Monterey is going to nick a goal at, yeah. at some point to to equalize. And so, like, I mean, that was sort of just just comedy. The stakes couldn't have been lower. And and I I came away from that zero percent concerned about anything. And I thought after that, especially, I, I kind of had in the back of my mind as I was thinking through the the way they do this window, I was I was thinking, you know what, if they get into the final against Leon or or, or or if they get into the final against Chelsea, maybe then they do play a couple more starters uh, just because, you know, it's a final. It's a game that obviously has an audience to it. Maybe they feel like they, they should put a foot forward uh, and, and play some starters and and try to win it again on their home field. Um, I probably still wouldn't have just cause I'm, you know, stubborn. <laughs> uh, but once they were in the third place game, I was like, Oh, no way. <laughs> like this is going to be like, there might be an invitation to like, like open, like, you know, come play. Uh, if you want to throw on some boots and, and play for us in this game, uh, pull some folks out of the riveters, maybe, Oh. Uh, I, I I thought there was no way, given that they're in the third place game and given what they they had coming up uh, later this week, uh, that they'd play starters. So I was pretty stunned uh, when I saw that team sheet uh, against Chelsea. And and you know again I get it. It's it's a game that does have some eyes on it. It's against a good opponent. Uh, all of those things, but oh, I think it was. I mean, I, I think it, it 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 forced them to make some harder choices for the game at the Courage that was just so much more important. Uh, and uh, and now having having you know sort of 
mixed the lineup against the Courage, which was probably the choice that they had to make at that point. Um, you know, and not getting the result there. Now they've got a a, a lineup that's going to be at least half pretty tired legs. Uh, coming back home against a fully fresh wave team uh, in a game that's kind of a must win. If, if they, if they want to sort of see through all the tremendous work they've done to this point in the season. So I, I, I don't agree with it. I, I think it's it, the, the way they ultimately ended up managing it. The, you know, I, I understand the rationale. It has, you know, backfired pretty hard on them though, uh, in a way that, that, you know, I, although I wouldn't say was necessarily like a foregone conclusion that it would work out in this way. Uh, like this was always a, an outcome that you could see happen. Um, and I think they're, they're, they're feeling the the pain of that. No doubt. And we'll see how they react to it, uh, with that, uh, game, big, big game on Saturday. That's going to be a fun one. Paramount plus folks and Fox 12 plus tune in seven thirty PM thorns take on Alex Morgan in the San Diego wave as good a matchup in American soccer as you are going to find. So that'll be a fun one. Fun weekend at Providence Park would be more fun if like both teams were coming into it with a little bit more, you know, momentum. Um, mostly talking about the Timbers there, but I'd like, yeah, let's, uh, I, let's it's, talk it's been about a long time since we've had a weekend this fun at Providence Park. Yeah, it's 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 no doubt going to be a really fun weekend, regardless of the, the current team's forms. Um, you know, the, the Thorns are obviously one of the best teams in NWSL. So anytime you get to go out and see them is, is a treat. But uh, the Timbers, a rivalry match, can maybe uh, rescue the joy from what has been a pretty uh, joyless stretch of, of soccer. Not pretty joyless, team. extremely joyless. Like thoroughly joyless, yeah. uh, so much so that four to one, they were defeated at the hands of Sporting Kansas City on Sunday. I did not get a chance to watch the full game live. I did, however, watch the highlights and and segments of the game on television afterward. And I saw the tweets, I saw the pain, I read the stories, and boy, howdy, was that an ugly, ugly match for the Portland Timbers. One that you and I talked about as a must win, and you know that's a, a sports journalists and analysts cliche the must win but it was <laughs> you yeah. know it was yeah. you, you can't get smacked to either you know you you could lose potentially in like a weird game because mls is weird and you know if you lost like one zero or two to one or whatever i think that people might have uh forgiven it a little more than they did but they got whooped four zero until the final few minutes and then four to one because of Seba blanco putting one home um Three to one lost to Toronto before that. Seven to two in two road games that you you hoped to at least get three points, if not four to six out of. Um, you're coming home to play a Seattle team that's in the hunt with you and is in better form than you are. And and the road team has advantage in these Maybe matchups, as we form. know. Slightly uh, better form. Slightly better form, I would say. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Nobody really knows anything, but um, the the Timbers suffered what was really a deflating loss, and and I thought something that you know I was asked about this on on an, another podcast this week. If I thought that the sky was falling, if I thought the season was essentially over because of this loss, and and I'm starting to honestly lean in that direction. 
I this think is I may a really. You, you're talking about on on the power ranking show with uh, with the 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 realtors at MLSsoccer.com. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Good folks over there. Good folks over there. Love them. Yeah. Uh, I I agree with you. The sky is pretty darn close to falling. And look, I I, I say that mostly because I I don't see simply making the playoffs as some sort of a a, a shibboleth of a successful season. Um, I, I think if you make the playoffs in seventh or sixth or whatever, and you go travel to the second and third place or third place team, get whooped and end up coming home and your playoff experience is exactly 90 minutes long. Uh, as I've said, I don't think that goes on the resume. Um, and there's, there's nothing that I've seen from the Timbers that suggests to me that they're capable of more than that. Uh, and I think if, I mean, I, the performance at, at Kansas City was horrible and and difficult to understand, right? Difficult to understand because that game, the stakes of that game were very obvious going in. That is a game that they should have been fired up for. They had a full week of rest. It was in a road trip where I agree they needed to to, to find a win somewhere in that road trip. That was always the likelier one to win just because of the amount of talent that TFC has. Um, I think they could very reasonably come back from that game at TFC and not feel terrible about it and not feel feel like they uh, were reeling by any means. But there should have been a tremendous amount of urgency going into the, that game at Kansas City. And they were terrible. Like, there are no real qualifiers to put on that. They were just terrible. Yeah, it was it was they in every facet of the game were so bad that Gio made some angry halftime subs. I mean, you, yeah, <laughs> he has he is ta- he's not the type of person to make an angry halftime sub like that. But he took Nia's goat off. He threw Tui Loma in there for Van Rankin and just said, you know, forget it. I'm I'm done, you know, being Mr. Nice Guy with these guys who, you know, when, when Gio talks about lack of effort, um and he's he's vague about it and doesn't name names. Uh, I I can think of a couple of names off the top of my head, guys yeah. that have not put in consistent effort, and the two that got subbed off at half uh, would probably be included in that group. I, I mean, Yarrow's gone, right? Yeah, like the, the, that. It, we talked a few weeks ago about how he sort of had an opportunity in the last half of the season, while he you know when he was on his heater, about how he had an opportunity to make his case, failed. <laughs> like that, that that's over that <laughs> it is hard to imagine what he could do from here on out that would that that would bring him back in good graces yeah and they have no alternative they had to throw dyrone in there as a false nine and it was just Who worked not, his butt off <laughs> he worked his butt off i will give dyrone credit it's been an up and down season for that dude and he's reaching a point in his career where you know it's it's hard to have anything better than that um, when, when you're a player that relies so much on, on his athleticism and, and that starts to go, but, um, he worked his butt off and I, and I thought that, um, you know, just looking at the, at the film from the game, um, Sebastian Blanco clearly still has that urgency, that, that fight and that anger to, to continue to compete. I'm not sure a whole heck of a lot of his teammates do. And, and I, I've loved what I've seen out of Alias Ivicic, despite the, 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 lambasting he's had to deal with because of the struggles of the front of the back line. Um, I appreciate Bill Tuiloma for, for what he's contributed in, in the way of set pieces, headers and, and general 
um, you know, win it, winning attitude. Always have to mention passing. passing when you're talking yes. about Bill's qualities. Yeah, he's he's been good, but you know, start of the season, Gio was talking about the fact that they had four starters uh, at center back. I'm not sure that they have more than one at this point. Yeah. Dario Zaparic uh, and Larice Mabiala being your regular starters uh, very clearly has run its course, uh, particularly with um, Mabiala, who is a great guy and, and a super friendly personality around the team. But um, age and and injury history seems to be catching up with both him and Zuparic to a point where um, they can't keep up with anybody. And then Bill Bill has been, despite a very strong start to the season, been very inconsistent in terms of his marking uh, in, in the last several matches. Uh, and, and Zach McGraw, he's got the tools, but he's young. And, you know, it seems like every time he goes in five minutes later, he's got a yellow card. He's you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, um, that position in particular, I think is, is becoming more of a glaring issue as the season wanes on. Um, it, it, it makes sense given the age of at that position and, and the wear and tear that can occur over the course of a season and the, the, just complete lack of help they've had at right back uh, from from Van Rankin all year. Um, speaking of right backs, just to just stop this uh, this you know pure negativity that's been spewing from our mouths the last <laughs> several minutes. Uh, Juan David Mosquera arrived in Portland today, so that's cool. We he was at uh, PDX. They they flashed a, a photo of him. Uh, great smile. The, the the Colombian guys that play for the Timbers all have amazing teeth. Just got to say that. Uh, and, and it's a positive thing to see generally for the team, even if he doesn't play like at all this season, um, to, to have a young player with promise coming in that will certainly fill a position next I now think year. he'll play, by the way. Honestly, he Why might. not? <laughs> Why not? You, it's, Why not? Keep throwing stuff at the wall, see what sticks. You know, he, he probably... He very likely will not be available tomorrow for Seattle, yeah, but yeah, yeah. but um, beyond that, you know, give him a shot, man. What do you have to lose at this well, point? And, and here's the thing that I mean, that's an important position for them to try to start to figure out, right? And and of course, you you don't want to throw him into the fire too soon, but like they need to get him in some games because they need to know whether that needs to be whether a starting right back needs to be on their shopping list for this winter. And they're going to have to go shopping. They're going to have to go shopping for a few positions. They got to do something at number nine. I think Fridge is probably, looking empty, man. They're gonna, they, yeah, <laughs> they got yeah, some shopping to they, do. They probably got to do, do, do something as a number 10. They probably have some, some guys that they need to move away. Certainly needs go to uh, being one. They need to figure out what they're going to do. If they're going to bring in another DP, if that's going to be a young DP, then maybe they don't have to get rid of Jimmy Chara. But if it's not going to be a young DP, then they probably have to move Jimmy Chara. Uh, uh, they, I, I agree with you. They, they probably needed to look at doing something different personnel wise at center back. Uh, and, 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 and I think they need to figure out whether they also need to go out and get a starting right back because they don't know if they're going to be able to put Mosquera in sort of from the jump. And, and, and so figuring out that variable at least is kind of one of the things that they can start on now. Uh, and, and, and look, I mean, if, if they agree with the assessment, <laughs> with my assessment that this doesn't look like a team, that is likely to to sort of rise like a phoenix from the ashes, and I think they probably agree with that. If you were to give them truth serum, um, I mean that's one of the the data points that you kind of need 
that maybe you can go get uh, now in the last six weeks or six or seven weeks uh, of the season. Um, so, I, you know, before I was saying, I don't even know if he's going to start, you know, more than a game or two. Now I think he probably starts because why not? Uh, I, 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 you know, I, I think you probably, once he can get in and get fit, which is a real question because he's, you know, coming off an off season now, um, I, 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 or at least an extended layoff given how long this transfer has dragged out. Uh, I think you probably have to, uh, have to get him in, in as much as you can. Um, uh, but it's. Yeah, uh, it's it, it it's not great, and I I think there are there are a lot of guys now who should feel like they're kind of playing for their jobs, um, or maybe there are just enough guys who have done enough to lose their jobs that 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 they don't have that motivation because for Nishkota it, it, it's that that decision should have been taken already, um, for for. JVR, that decision should have been taken already. Um, and, uh, and you know, I, I, I think I think probably if you're in central defense, that's probably where you're looking to say, all right, jobs are now on the line. I mean, you've, you've got to show that you're worth being on the roster at all next year um, and that you're either just, you know, not the right fit or, or no longer the right fit. Do you think... You know, it's obvious moves are are needed in order to to better this roster and bring them back up to contention. Uh, given the moves that they've made, moves like Mosquera, uh, bringing in Santiago Moreno, uh, bringing in David Ayala over the last few years, do you think that they're going to go the route of rebuild youth movement and and go for flexibility in youth next year, or do you think that? you know, trying to maximize what's left of, of Seba Blanco hanging on to Eric Williamson. And, and as he comes into his prime uh, and, and looking at the other veteran players on their roster, do you think they try to, to spend retool and reset with, with a team that is immediately able to contend in, in the next MLS season? I think they should spend to compete next year. A, because Cycles in MLS turn around pretty quick. It's not like Major League Baseball where cycles take three or four or five years to turn around. Um, and it just takes that long to sort of have the next wave of talent come up through a system. And MLS cycles turn around pretty quick, largely because of the DP rule. And so much of whether a team is going to be good is dictated by how good your DPs are. Uh, that, that you know, you can turn these around quick. So I think the Timbers, their mindset should be to bring in pieces with the goal of being good next year. And I think that's not irrational. I think you look at the rest of the team and there are still players who, who can be good players on good teams. Santi Moreno can be a good player on a good team in MLS. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, Diego Chara is still a good player, would still be a good player, a starting player on basically every MLS team. Uh Eric Williamson uh, is needs to be more consistent, needs to be more consistently healthy. And I think those two things are basically saying the same thing for him this year. Um, but he is, when he's playing consistently and playing well, he is a good, good, good MLS player. Um, and, you know, I think you look around the rest of the roster and you see plenty of guys 
who, yeah, I think you see plenty of guys who can be contributors of some on on some level on a good MLS team. And when you're in that spot, it's not like the it's not like the cupboard is completely bare and none of these guys can can produce at the MLS level. Oh, there there are some some tools there. There are some guys who can who can be good MLS players. And the 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 the, the what they need is they need to sort of restock and retool uh with their game breakers. That's where that's where they're missing. That's where they they don't have the players that they've had in years past, a fully in form and prime Sebastian Blanco, Diego Valeri, uh, and and a a more in in prime uh Laris Mabiala, who was really good, quite good for the Timbers for a number of years. And and so, you know, I, I think when you're in that spot, they should feel like if they go and they get their signings right this offseason, that they can come back and compete. That in 2023, they can compete and they can be a good good team. But they're going to have to invest some money to do that. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. If the Timbers think they're going to be able to do this this offseason without going reasonably into spending eight figures, they're wrong. It's not going to happen. Um, and they may well put themselves back behind the eight ball if they try to do that. Um but if they do go into the into the eight figures, and I don't mean you know barely squeaking over the bar by making a couple five million dollar signings or something like that, it's going to take more than that. Uh, if they do that and they get those signings right, uh, I think if you put a really good DP striker on top of this team, and maybe you add one more sort of top level playmaker and sort of come at teams with a a double or maybe triple barreled approach between. Uh, a DP 10, uh, Santi Moreno on the wing, uh, and Eric Williamson. Um, and, and you reinforce the back line a little bit. I think this is a team that can be pretty scary. Oh, so I don't think this is a youth movement need to sort of tear it down to the studs kind of moment at all. The wrinkle is it's not clear. Well, I, I, it is clear. They would not, they cannot sign assuming that, that, Nishkota is the only current DP that they move in the offseason, which is not a, an entirely safe assumption. But if that's true, they can't sign two senior DPs because they, in order to sign a second DP, they would need to be able to buy down uh, Sebastian Blanco into the, as a TAM player, which he's in the range to be able to do. But because they have three, and I know eyes are, I can see the eyes in the future glazing over as I'm as I'm describing this but because they have 3 U22 initiative players they can't now have 3 senior DPs and so they would need to sign what's a little a, a little bit of a of an older mechanism that's only now become uh, more prominent in 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 importance a young DP which I think the cutoff is 23 but I would have to go back to check to make sure um they would need to sign a young DP, which is different from a U22 initiative player. That's a whole nother podcast um, to do it, which, you know, if if your goal is to compete immediately, that's not the profile you would most obviously look for. This has been the entire MLS rulebook sponsored by. Yes. So, so you know, I, I think I think that that is is perhaps some of the tension. Uh, and frankly, if you want a an immediately plug and play ready to go young DP you usually have to spend insane amounts of money to do that because teams don't part with 
already established, already developed good young players for cheap. Um, which is why I think the question of whether Jimmy Chara is with the Timbers in 2023 is a real question. Because if they move Chara, if they move Jimmy Chara, don't want to startle anybody, uh, in, 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 in the offseason, then they could go out and sign two senior DPs and still be compliant. Oh, so I, those are the, 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 the machinations and why it's, it's not an easy question to answer. But in any event, I don't think that they should be looking beyond 2023 to compete because I think they can win with Santi Moreno. I think they can win with Eric Williamson. I think they can win even with Christian Paredes, who I think has had when he's been healthy, a pretty good year. Diego Chara is still a winning player. I think Claudio Bravo is is is, is a winning player. I think Alia Zivicic is a winning player. Oh, uh, so there 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 are guys there, and they should feel like they can compete in twenty three. But but it's going to take real ambition to do it. No doubt, and and I'm interested to see the the machinations of it, the different moves they make this off season, uh, and I'll I'll be monitoring that as closely as I can uh, as as we progress to that point. I, I think. Just as as putting a pin in, in that uh, for future podcasts, I, I think it's kind of funny that we're uh, already conducting a, a post mortem analysis uh, <laughs> at this point when you know the Timbers are one point off of the playoff line. But you know, it's 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 me just playing devil's advocate there only because you know um, I agree with you. I, I think that things are, are heading in in the wrong direction, and you know, a, a win over Seattle on on. Friday could potentially shut us up for a few podcasts or one podcast. Maybe one maybe. podcast. Maybe for, I mean, nothing's ever going to really I'll give shut them us one up. one podcast. I, yeah. I will not talk about the moves they need to make in the offseason for one podcast if they beat Seattle this weekend, which, by the way, would get them Cascadia Cup. That's not a small thing. That is no uh, small thing. First one in the Geo Sabarese era. That's true. Oh, uh, that, that's an, it's an important game. Uh, but look, I mean, as we, as we've said before, 1.2 points per game ain't shoot. Uh, and and even beating, beating Seattle this weekend isn't going to get them significantly higher than that. Uh, and, you know, even if they sneak into the playoffs on 1.3 points per game or something like that, doesn't go on the resume for me. Yeah, but hey, at least I'd get to fly to Austin, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's been fun in the past. <laughs> yeah, I, I've never been to Austin, Texas. Austin's nice. Uh, I, I like Austin. Nice town. Some amazing food. Great food in Austin. In Austin, uh, the Timbers, though, in their two experiences there, <laughs> a third one's coming up, uh, have played horrible soccer in Austin. Yeah, we'll we'll certainly have a put an Austin game to talk about on next week's uh, podcast, and then uh, I can I can either continue my dreams of endless barbecue uh, on on the company dime, or I can see those dreams dashed by by the gentlemen that are playing soccer down there who are currently enjoying said barbecue. What what's your um, barbecue protein? Your go-to? Oh, fatty brisket. So you're you're a, you're like a you're a point end brisket, not a not a not a flat end brisket. Okay. Yeah. And burnt ends are great, pork belly burnt ends specifically if if we're talking specificity with the barbecue love a good jalapeno cheddar sausage um this is not sponsored content but matt's barbecue in portland absolute fire best barbecue in town in my view yeah yeah they don't they don't pay me but i agree with you yeah they pay me in barbecue and i pay them in (laughs) american dollars (laughs) in in united states currency yeah oh yeah i i i i agree with you i'm a uh, if you've got a if you've got 
folks who know what they're doing, brisket is amazing. Uh, they're easier things to pull off if, if they don't know what they're doing. But if you've got folks who know what they're, what they're doing, hard to beat brisket for me. No doubt. Send us your favorite barbecue foods uh, at Soccer Maiden PDX on Twitter. Share it with us. We want yeah. to know. Send pictures too. If you're if you're like a like a Traeger guy or gal, and and like you love you know cooking uh, on the grill or or uh, making barbecue meats, and and you're like a pro, send us pictures of that too. What the heck? I I love love looking at a good brisket. Just to be clear, this this is us laying our backup plan for next week. If the Thorns game against the Wave and the Timbers game against the Sounders don't go well. Probably just going to be barbecue made in Portland next week. So yeah, we're going to just talk straight barbecue uh, if if things don't go terribly well. And, for and you know why we'll do that because the Timbers will be cooked if they lose this weekend. <laughs> oh, finishing off right there, Chris Reifer with yeah, a I'm truly. I'm, I'm stepping away. Yeah, you should you should probably retire from podcasting after that pun, but. Uh, we will retire for the evening here on Soccer Made in Portland uh, for Chris Reifer. I'm Ryan Clark. Thank you for joining us. Uh, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating and follow us on Twitter at Soccer Made in PDX. On that social media platform, please send us barbecue pictures, videos, uh, whatever you got as well. Uh, thanks for joining us. 